Hi, you're listening to It Happened to Me, a rare disease and medical challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is how we adapt. That's the focus of It Happened to Me, which wants to help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, co-hosts Kathy Gildenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you. Our guest on It Happened to Me today is Dr. Essen Akpak. Dr. Akpak is the Bendham Family Professor of Ophthalmology at the Wilmer Eye Institute, the John Hopkins University Medical School. She is recognized as the world-renowned leader in advanced corneal transplantation, stem cell transplantation, and ocular surface reconstruction procedures. Her area of expertise is in the fields of ocular surface diseases and corneal transplantation. Dr. Akpak serves as the director of ocular surface disease and dry eye clinic at Wilmer, Dr. Akpak's current research centers around developing a synthetic corneal device for patients who are at high risk of failure with donor corneal transplantation. Dr. Akpak, thanks for coming on. It happened to me today. Last time you were on the podcast, you shared your experience about dry eye. It was so informative and helpful. We encourage listeners to go back to this episode. In this interview, we are exploring artificial corneas. As I did in the last episode, I would like to disclose I am a patient of Dr. Akpak. She combines the rare characteristics of superior surgical skill and patient empathy. Dr. Akpak, thank you for taking the time to do a second episode today. So, Dr. Akpak, we're going to discuss artificial corneas. What are they? And how are they different from human corneas? Excellent question. Well, first of all, I would like to thank you and Kathy for giving me the opportunity to speak today. Artificial cornea is a synthetic corneal device in order to improve vision in patients who are corneally blind by providing a clear window to the eye. There are certain conditions like infections, trauma, certain genetic conditions such as Fuchs or keratoconus that can lead to loss of corneal transparency. Transparency of cornea is of utmost importance in order for us to be able to see because cornea is the first tissue where the light rays enter through into the eye. So any Loss of clarity or even irregularity of the surface of the cornea can lead to blurred vision. But there are conditions when, for example, a patient has corneal scarring or swelling, they can't see. We can't see inside the eye. They can't see the outside world. And that's when we recommend a corneal procedure. Obviously, donor corneal transplantation is the choice, is is the natural choice for these patients, but there are circumstances when the donor transplantation does not work. And that's when we 
recommend artificial corneal transplantation. It's sort of like a last resort recommendation. For example, if a patient already tried donor transplant and ended up with failure, they're not a good, they're not a good candidate yeah. for, yeah, candidate for another donor corneal transplantation. Unfortunately, repeated donor transplantation, the success after repeated donor corneal transplantation decreases greatly. After each transplant, the success rate decreases very significantly indeed. Mm. So after the second one, we usually do not recommend another transplant. We do recommend an artificial corneal transplant. However, that's not to say that they, they are perfect. I mean, the currently used one is Boston type 1 keratoprostasis or artificial cornea. Obviously, it has its own pros and cons, glaucoma being the, the worst complication after surgery. But, you know, Again, there are instances where donor corneal transplantation is highly unlikely to work. So we, we sometimes do artificial transplant. Can I go back for a minute? So in talking about why someone would need a transplant, you talked about blurred vision. What would be other indications of someone who would need any kind of transplant, whether it would be a human donor or artificial? Well, basically, it's the loss of corneal transparency. When the cornea becomes opaque, cornea is supposed to be crystal clear. I see. Yeah. When there is a problem in terms of like, for example, swelling of the cornea or scarring of the cornea or haze or blood vessels growing into the cornea, then vision decreases. And that's when we need to replace that diseased cornea. And how would the patient know that they need a, a new cornea? What what symptoms would they experience? Well, it's usually loss of um, vision, basically. But vision. they might not know the difference between loss of vision from cornea versus right. loss of vision from cataract versus yes. loss of vision from a retinal condition. They might not necessarily know, and that's why they have to see a, an eye doctor. You have to see an eye doctor. So you maybe should have a few opinions before, because I would imagine there are a lot of people who are doing cataract surgery and maybe that's not the correct procedure. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. We see patients who have had cataract extraction, but the the problem is cornea. We see Mm. patients who have had um, retinal, you know, injections like for macular regeneration and things like that. But the main issue is cornea. Fuchs endothelial dystrophy is a genetic condition and that's Pretty common in in United States. In comparison to of all the other countries, it is the number one reason for why corneas lose their clarity. So it's a genetic condition. It's when it is milder, it's difficult to diagnose it, and it's sort of like underdiagnosed and underappreciated by other ophthalmologists, like ophthalmologists who are not cornea specialists. I mean, we don't Mm. consider cataract surgeons as cornea specialists. You know, there is a difference. Cornea Uh surgeons do cataract surgery for the most part, but cataract surgeons usually don't do corneal transplants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Fuchs, for our listeners, is an eye condition that definitely runs in families. So if your parent had it, you should, just like glaucoma, you should be checked for it. Wouldn't you agree with that, Dr. Akpak? Absolutely, yes. 
Now, back to what you were talking about before, where you were mentioning that after a certain number of human cornea, human corneal transplants, you would revert to an artificial cornea. But I'm wondering, would you start with artificial and, for instance, in areas of the world where there's a scarcity of human corneas available? Well, that's an excellent question. Even in the United States, where we have excellent eye banking system, sometimes we start with the artificial cornea. It's not because corneas are not, donor corneas are not readily available. We have donor corneas. I mean, I think United States is, is the best in the world when it comes to being able to obtain a donor cornea, a, a quality donor cornea and timely, you know, surgery. But but there are instances, even in the United States, where the donor cornea is not going to work. The number one, the number one thing that determines the outcome of the cornea is the is why the transplant is being done. For example, when it comes to flukes, outcomes of donor transplantation are are very good, ninety something percent at twenty years. Wow. But yes, but those are simpler surgeries. We only replace the endothelial or the inner lining of the cornea. But when it uh, comes to, for example, other conditions, you may be familiar, for example, with shingles. Sometimes shingles affect cornea, affects the oh, cornea. It causes no. corneal ulceration. And after it heals, the patient might end up with scarring and blood vessels. Presence oh. of blood vessels in the cornea makes the, the host at risk for rejection. And usually these eyes also have glaucoma. So for example, it is a it is a situation where we might not be able to offer donor cornea. We might have to proceed with artificial cornea from get-go. Mm. And shingles is not very uncommon. It's one of the most common viral diseases yeah. here in the United States. And and by the way, please don't forget to get your vaccination. Yes. There's vaccine yes. available. Yes. Boy, I um, didn't think of that. I we think of shingles and pain. But I never I didn't associate it with shingles the eyes. and your eyes. My oh goodness. yeah, it can go into the eye. Yes. My That's uh, now yes. is there just as in the last episode you were talking about how important it is to ask your eye doctor for a dry eye checkup. Is there something? When you're not yet at a specialist or not lucky enough to be seeing you, is there something you could a listener could ask their eye doctor to a test to run or something to check for? So unlike dry eye, corneal examination is part of routine eye examination. So no matter who you go to, either retina or glaucoma, cornea, cataract, they will look at your cornea. So if it is bad enough, they will know that there's something wrong. But if it mm. is not yet bad enough, for example, if it is just haze but not scarring yet, or if it is, for example, endothelial guttata but not swelling or haze yet, for example, in the case of Fuchs, then you might not get the appropriate diagnosis. So, you know, as experienced cornea people, we are, you know, we, we can detect even the slightest, slightest bit of haze of the anterior surface of the cornea or the endothelial layer. We, the way we look at it is, in, is, is more, more detailed, but any eye doctor who's doing a routine slit lamp examination, you know, the slit lamp that 
you basically place your head in there and and we shine light it it if it is bad enough it should show up hmm. so dr akpak part of your research is looking into creating an artificial cornea what are the challenges in developing something like this yeah i think that, <laughs> well the movies <laughs> obviously the main challenge is is that it is an expensive type of research anytime oh. you uh, develop a device it's expensive and we were lucky we were able to team up with industry and do it under a, a research contract oh. you know between <laughs> Johns Hopkins and the industry partner but the second second challenge is that obviously we have to do a lot of animal research before we can use the device in human eyes. But unfortunately, there is no animal eye other than monkey eye, which is not same, but very similar to human eye. That, you know, it's so the, the translation from the animal research to human research is not one of one. So something that might do really well in rabbits or pigs or something like that might not lead to well. good outcome in humans. Yeah, it might still fail. So that is the main challenge for us. I see. It's expense and then recreating the study in a human eye. I see. Yes. So, you know, anticipating if it'll work in the human eye. Yes. You know, we're talking about transplants and in almost a very casual way, it seems to me. In essence, I guess corneal transplant is the most common transplant that is performed worldwide. So can you talk about, you know, there are risks for every kind of surgery. What is the risk of rejection for a human cornea and for artificial corneas? Well, yes, that is a very excellent question and a comment, actually. Yes, corneal transplantation is commonly performed, especially in developed countries such as United States. Approximately 200 corneal donor corneal transplants are performed yearly globally. Of those, hmm. about 50,000 take place in the United States. So wow. if, if you look across the globe, the United States does most of the transplants. So 150 wow. for the rest of the world. So the main reason for that is, is actually access or lack thereof to donor corneas. In, in the United States, we have absolutely no access problem. We have the best eye banking system in the world, the most advanced. Wow. But that's not to say all corneal transplants are successful because rejection or failure, which are similar but different things, can happen in younger patients, for example, children or young adults. The rejection rate is high. Really? For example, if a patient has glaucoma or other comorbidities, rejection rate is higher. And if a patient started with a bad cornea, like the shingles-related corneal problem, rejection rate is very high. Artificial hmm. cornea does not reject because it's really? artificial material. It's uh, basically acrylic glass. The currently available one is acrylic glass, but it can fail. It doesn't mm -hmm. reject, but that's not to say it doesn't fail. It does fail. And actually, it leads to glaucoma, which eventually oh. can cause, yes, eventually wow. can cause permanent vision loss. Wow. wow. 
every time or that's a possible side effect of the artificial? Well, it's a common, common side effect. It is common. Yes. Is there anything that research is working on to try to eliminate that? Yeah. So, I mean, for the time being, basically, we anticipate glaucoma and we already perform glaucoma surgeries either at the same time as the artificial corneal surgery or prior to artificial corneal surgery in an effort to prepare the eye because we anticipate that. Yeah. And, And the current research is basically it centers around different materials, more flexible and biointegrating materials so that incidence of glaucoma is less. Wow. And so when it comes to making the decision, artificial versus human, if the human cornea is available, would the doctor choose to go that route first just because of the risk of glaucoma? Absolutely. If we believe that the donor cornea would work, we always try it first. Gotcha. But like I said, for example, if a patient has already tried donor cornea and didn't do well, you know, multiple failures, or if they have a shingles-related corneal problem with blood vessels and scarring and irregular surface, then we might offer artificial cornea. And how long is the transplant of a human cornea expected to last? Oh, that's a good question. Sometimes it would last 25 years. I've had patients, yes. But sometimes it might reject or fail within the first year. Depends on for why we are doing the surgery. The number one determinant of the outcome of the transplant is the indication for surgery. Why is the surgery being done, right? For example, Fuchs, which is the most common ideology for corneal transplant in the U.S., it it has very low failure risk, less than 10% actually, all in all. Mm. It's a very, you know, successful procedure. Approximately 35,000 of the 50,000 total corneal procedures are performed for fuse. So a lot of the times it's a successful procedure, but not always. And then how long will an artificial cornea transplant last? Yeah. So it's basically acrylic glass. It will last forever, but that doesn't mean that the patient is going to have vision. The patient might have complete blindness because of advanced glaucoma, for example. Even Mm -hmm. though they have a crystal clear cornea, they might have no vision because of a permanent vision loss from glaucoma. Mm -hmm. Wow. So besides the cornea, we have to worry about the optic nerve and everything else. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, obviously, there's also... It's very uncommon, but there's also risk of infection, melt and extrusion, retinal detachment, and things like that. All in all, the success rate, you know, if, if you look at all kinds of patients, yeah. the success rate is about 67% at seven years. So it does seem to have a shelf life. And is this procedure common in third world countries? No, no, it's very highly uncommon. In, in, in fact, even in the tri-state area, I think I'm one of the few people who performs this surgery, and I do only 10 or 15 surgeries in a year. Um, wow. It, 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 it's very uncommonly done. It's sort of like a last resort type mm-hmm. of procedure. You know, I do about 
I don't know, 100, 120 corneal transplants, but only 10, 15 artificial corneal transplants. Gotcha. Wow. Dr. Akpak, before we end, I have to ask if there's any advice. You've, you've provided so much wonderful educational <laughs> and, and really stimulating, stimulating advice to our audience. Are, is there any further advice for our listeners who may be looking at surgery for a new cornea or maybe questioning if they need treatment for cornea issues? Any advice? Well, the one thing that I want to bring up, I don't know if it's an advice, but one thing that I do want to bring up is that there's so much research going on right now in the field of endothelial transplantation in patients with fuchs. So there, there are newer ways of doing surgery, maybe not even surgeries. Maybe we could call it a procedure. Instead of doing the whole transplantation of the inner lining of the cornea, we sometimes inject cells or sometimes just remove the diseased part and not inject anything or transplant anything. So there are different research projects going on. I, I invite our patients to consider enrolling in research. I think that that's the only way, you know, to progress science and to help, you know, future patients. Oh. What a good point. And, I, and very well taken, Dr. Akpak. But our, our listeners should know that before embarking on any sort of procedure, you should get a couple of different opinions. The idea that someone is having cataract surgery when they need a corneal transplant, whether you should have an artificial or a human cornea, all these different nuances of discussion that we have had today. It's really been stimulating and, and very important, Dr. Akpak. I, I really want to thank you very much for being a guest today. And, and really, I, I also would like to thank you for the research that you are doing. It's so important. I can't think of anything that is more important than saving sight. And that's what you are committed to doing. Sight is such an important part of our lives. You are really a hero in my eyes. Thank you so much for all your dedication and research and for being a guest today. You really do make a difference in the world. Well, thank you all for hosting me and mentioning these problems that are, in my opinion, common and important. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact form on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app like Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenge community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. I'm Kira Deneen from DNA Today, and I serve as our executive producer and marketing lead. Amanda Andrioli is our associate producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you. 